This is Sunday Morning Magazine with your host, Rodney Lear. And welcome back. Remember, for anything that you may have missed, all you have to do is go to our Facebook page, Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear. Head there now, like us there now, and you'll find additional information on all of our guests and everything about the show. And you can also listen to the show anytime you like. Head to your favorite podcast app and subscribe to Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear. On the phone with me now is Juliana Minor. The title of the book is Raising a Screen Spark Kid, Embrace the Good and Avoid the Bad in the Digital Age. Welcome to the show this morning. Hi, Rodney. Hey, how are you? I'm so excited to talk to you. My husband's from Cincinnati. We love Cincinnati, so I'm delighted. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Well, cool. We love that. So you are a blogger, I understand. Tell us about your blog. Uh, it's called Rants from Mommyland, and I've been blogging for about 10 years. And uh, I started writing it when my kids were little, and I was just real deep in the trenches. And I feel so lucky. I found, like, a real community and a real family with all those folks. So it's been 10 years, and there's, like, 60,000 of us on Facebook, and um, they're just the best group of people. And I feel really blessed that they're that they're here with me. All right, great. So in the new book, Raising a Screen Smart Kid, Embrace the Good and Avoid the Bad in the Digital Age, you interviewed a number of people. Tell us about some of the people you spoke to. I spoke with law enforcement officers, child protection workers, school administrators, teachers, young people, doctors, psychiatrists, research scientists. Uh, I, I reviewed and read 375 research articles. Um, I'm an adjunct professor of public health, so I'm kind of a data nerd anyway. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it took like three years to, to pull all the data together for this. Okay, so I understand that you spoke to educators as well. Why was it important for you to speak to educators? Well, I they spend a lot of time with our kids, and all of this technology, specifically social media, is a fairly recent development. And, and I spoke with some teachers who'd been in the classroom for 25 or 30 years, so they had a real sense of the difference and the impact that this has made for kids pre-cell phones and smartphones and social media and post, that there's a difference in how kids respond to it, how they interact with each other, how they are... Um, approaching learning and, and their behavior in the classroom. And I just felt like their their perspective was just invaluable. Okay. So when we talk about technology, there seems to be this huge gap. We have parents who know very little about technology. That's me raising my hand right now. And their children who can navigate through it like a professional, which my kids are. Why is it important for parents to bridge that gap and learn and to be comfortable with this new technology? in which our kids are living. Um, you know, I didn't love baseball, but when my kids started playing it, I learned about baseball. You know, <laughs> I didn't know much about the dance world, but now I have a dancer and now I'm a dance mom. Um, so I think it's just really important that you learn about the world that they're living in. And um, from a safety perspective, we have to become conversant with the ways that our kids are communicating with others so that we can identify areas that are potentially unsafe and put limits in where they're necessary. Now, you say using some forms of social media can be predictors of loneliness and depression. That's really interesting. Explain that. Yeah, there's a lot in the research that links depression to social media use um, and tech use. The one thing that is totally consistent is the amount of use. 
So the more a kid is online, the more a kid is using social media, um, generally the worse they feel. So kids and adults who are moderate users tend to have a pretty good reaction. They can use it to, you know, catch up with their friends and communicate with people, um, you know, see what's going on, and and uh, it makes them feel good. It makes them feel connected. It's that overuse, that problematic use that yields bad results. So let's back up a bit here. This book is all about being screen smart. What are the recommendations? I know the American Academy of Pediatrics, they have their recommendations, but What are the guidelines? How much time should children and teens, how much time should they be spending online in front of a screen? That is hard for me to answer because the guidelines around screen time don't take into consideration what is kind of required use. So my kids may be using their screens to study or research something or using the calculator function or Skyping with a friend with whom they're collaborating on a, on a homework assignment, that to me is not screen time that's counted toward um, problematic use. Now, just mindlessly watching YouTube videos or scrolling through Instagram, that's another story. So it's just it's difficult to tease that out. Um, the recommended guidelines really try and keep kids to, to using um, screens less than um, like two or three hours a day. However, that's difficult to do depending on the age of the child and their specific circumstances, right? So older kids might be using it more. If you have a kid who has like anxiety or depression or ADHD, their limits maybe should be different than a kid who's more uh, like neurally typical or isn't dealing with, you know, a, a different issue. And in case you're just tuning in this morning, we're speaking to Juliana Minor. The title of the book is Raising a Screen Smart Kid, Embrace the Good and Avoid the Bad in the Digital Age. Now, let's talk about online gaming. Many teens and some even younger than that are playing online games talking and competing with strangers, which they believe are their peers. In some cases, they may be their peers. What advice would you offer there, and what should parents know to keep their kids safe? Well, that's interesting. So the most popular games for the past several years have all been multiplayer games, so games where um, the social nature of play is one of the biggest draws. So you're hanging out with your friends while you're playing, even though technically you're alone in your living room or your basement. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's really important for parents to understand the game. Take a little time and get to know it. There are um, a million ways that you can research that. There's always videos on YouTube that will show you what the play is like. You can research it on Common Sense Media. Um, But the concern that I would have, particularly for younger gamers, is that if there is a chat function within the game, um, that that's limited to people that they know, that people that are on their contacts list. All right, good advice. So on the positive side of things, there are some benefits of actually playing video games online. Let's talk about those benefits, if you will. The one that is most commonly mentioned in the research is um, the ability to make friends and to build social capital. And for young people, for adolescents, those friendships are so important. I mean, they're just really wired at that age to place so much value on, on their friendships and their peers. And social media can be a great way for them to communicate with people, to make new friends, to, to deepen existing friendships, um, to create like wider networks of people with whom they can connect. So all of that can be very positive, especially, 
you know, for those kids uh, for whom in-person interactions maybe can be awkward or, or difficult, like it's a great um, it's a great way for them to be able to like level their social playing field a little bit. So I guess this is the modern day age old question: At what age should you give your child a cell phone? What are the recommendations there? That's the million dollar question. Um, and again, it depends on the kid and it depends on the family. So um, if your kid's expectation is that they're going to get a phone and immediately get onto social media, most of the uh, social media platforms user agreements, when you open an account, uh, stipulate that the, that the user be 13. And we know that millions of kids get those accounts early, sometimes with their parents' consent, sometimes without. Um, but I would suggest waiting to get your kid a phone until, number one, it's logistically really difficult for them not to have a phone so that you know that there's like a compelling, logical reason that you have it, that you're using it as a tool as well as a toy. Mm-hmm. Give me an example. So, for example, your kid is now independent enough that they're playing a sport and uh, they need to coordinate with you around getting rides. Um, that their teachers are asking them to connect with others on group projects, and it's the best way for them to communicate. That there's a compelling, like that, that the the phone is being used as more than just um, something for them to mess around with. That there's a reason to use it because I think that when we're thoughtful about how we use the device, when we're intentional about how we use it, that we use it to better uh, with better results. And again, in case you're just tuning in this morning, you're listening to Sunday Morning Magazine. I'm Rodney Lear. More information about the show can always be found on our Facebook page, Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear on Facebook. Head there now and like us there now. On the phone with me now is Juliana Minor. The title of the book is Raising a Screen Smart Kid, Embrace the Good and Avoid the Bad in the Digital Age. Now, I want to talk about three topics that you cover in the book, and I want to start with bullying what are the major takeaways? What do we need to know when it comes to bullying? Well, I think one of the interesting things that I learned from researching this book is that the overall rate of bullying over the past 10 years hasn't really changed. But we've seen it migrate from, like, the cafeteria and the, and the playground and the schoolyard to where kids are spending their time socially, which is online, right? So it's now happening in group chats and in text threads and um, on Instagram. So I think that's something to be aware of, that it's, it's unfortunately getting picked on and being bullied. These are things that have always happened, and, you know, unfortunately I think will probably continue to happen. But what we're seeing is that where kids are spending their time socially is where this behavior is now occurring. And it's harder to identify it because it's taking place in a device instead of where it can be more easily observed. Hmm. So let's talk about digital dating and teen relationships online. What should parents know here? Well, like everything else, a lot of teen relationships, uh, the communication that takes place, the courting that takes place, is going to take uh, is going to occur in their phones and in their social media, um, which makes it a little bit harder for parents to be cued in when it's happening. So it's important to just kind of keep abreast of that as much as you can and get a sense of um, when a relationship is happening, that people have a common set of expectations around how often people are communicating, the mode of communication, um, you know, how people are spending time together. It can be complicated, um, but it's, you know, I think having teens who, who date and start to 
start to see romance in the air, like that's never been an easy time to be a parent. All right. You also discuss growing up online with anxiety, depression, ADHD, and autism. Tell us what we need to know here. Well, kids who are um, neurally atypical have a different reaction to technology than kids who are typically developing. Um, a lot of what we see in the press around this has to do with depression and, and mental health and well-being and its relationship to social media use. And certainly we see a lot of, of ill effects uh, established correlationally that kids who, um, th- that we're seeing higher rates of depression and anxiety and that that is in fact related to how many kids are using social media. Um, one thing that is very clear is that the kids who use it the most tend to have the worst mental health effects. So we really want to encourage moderate use. And if you have a kiddo who is anxious or depressed, um, really trying to work to instill those limits is so beneficial. All right. So important. For parents this morning, you I, one thing that I think is really important, and you say it in the book, is that parents need to model healthy habits when it comes to screen time use. Tell me about that and give us some quick examples. Sure. You know, I'm, so I'm a public health professor, and one thing that we see over and over again is that parents who engage in a certain behavior have kids who are more likely to engage in that behavior. So whether it's smoking, you know, smokers have more likely to have kids who smoke. So if we want our kids to be um, self-regulating their tech use and not overusing and being kind and considerate to others online, then we need to model that behavior ourselves. And we need to be very... Um, we need to narrate it as we're doing it so that they're they're hearing what we're doing and why we're doing it. So you can say something like, I know we're not supposed to have a phone at the table, but I'm expecting an important call from your grandmother because she has news about her health, so that's why I have my phone with me. Um, so they understand the why behind the choices that you're making. Um, you know, if you don't want your kids to text and drive, then don't text and be on your phone while you're driving <laughs> with your kids observing you. Things like that. It's just, it's really important that we all make an effort to be responsible digital citizens because what we do is so much more important than what we say when it comes to our kids in tech. All right. And with that, we're out of time this morning. If our listeners would like to find out more about you, how can they find out more? Uh, you can find me on my blog, Rants from Mommyland, or on Facebook. Um, our Rants from Mommyland Facebook page is a great community, so you can always find us there or on Twitter and Instagram. All right. Thank you so much. Thanks for taking time. Thank you. Have a great day. We've been speaking to Arthur Juliana Minor. The title of the book, again, is Raising a Screen Smart Kid, Embrace the Good and Avoid the Bad in the Digital Age. Well, that's it for this edition of the show. Remember, more information about the show can always be found on our Facebook page, Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear. Head there now and like us there now. Well, that's it for this edition of the show. I'm Rodney Lear. Until next week. Be encouraged. Listen to Sunday Morning Magazine no matter what day it is. Use your favorite podcast app and subscribe to Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear today. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes. From running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton. Motivation that moves you.